Welcome to Honey on the Sword, Season 3, Episode 17, Sirens, Part 39 through 41. Luca's grandfather dips his hand in the stream. Luca marvels as the water changes into colors never seen and is suspended above his hand before he even brings it to his lips. I learned a very sacred word while watching the ancient beings in this garden. It always puts me in a state of awe. Everything about this garden awakens and enlightens the soul. It is living and breathing. They explain to me that every time we drink from the glassy stream, a barakat is commanded to come to us. A barakat is sent to us because we live together in unity. We receive power and healing and gain wondrous gifts. These glorious beings meditate endlessly and become trees planted by living streams that bear fruit. This is the kingdom. We are the kingdom. It has been said, this kingdom will come to earth because it's now our home. Everything is different here. There is peace and restoration and mercy and men even are reconciled to each other and that's mind-blowing. Healing is intricately woven into every piece of this magnificent garden. This is why I told you whatever the labyrinth shows you is significant. It is the sound of a trained siren. We can hear it before we can see it, but we know it is coming. It is near. The kingdom is near. It is approaching. All creation eagerly waits for it to be revealed. Luca's eyes are mesmerized by this land, and the wind softly whispers mysteriously to him. He walks along the day, wondering, pondering, all that he's seeing and the wind walks in the cool of the day with them and shows them why they were made it is all overwhelming and surreal abigail hands the phone back to her sister who pulls out a piece of paper with another phone number when sean pulls up to lexington lane his phone begins to vibrate rebecca notices a gentleman in a vehicle with isabella and wilton Hey, this is Sean. Hello, Sean. My name is Audrey. Sorry, I believe you have the wrong number. No, I am calling specifically for you and Rebecca. What is it that you were calling about? How did you get my number? Second floor, rehab and recovery. How may I help you, please? Yes. May I speak with Audrey? Thank you. One moment, please. Music plays while Pierre waits and he becomes annoyed. His paranoia has been right the majority of the time, so he cannot help but double check. Vladimir and Gretchen also sense something is off, but they stay silent. Vladimir anxiously fills the awkwardness in the room. I, I wonder where our food is, it's been over an hour. Pierre clenches his jaw and covers the phone. If you used all that energy for thinking, I would entrust you with more. But no, all you can think about is food. He mumbles under his breath. When I get the firefighter, I will have no need for you, Vladi. Pierre mimics Vlad with a dopey voice. It's been an hour, I wonder. Thank you for holding. Audrey is unavailable at this time. Would you like to leave a message for her? No, no, that won't be necessary. 
Stephen gets a headache because his mind tries to translate this extraordinary discovery through finite rationale and reasoning. He lies on the bed thinking and thinking and remembers something. When he was a little boy, his family was poor. So instead of taking Stephen to the zoo, circus, carnival, or amusement parks, his father would take him to a huge hotel where he worked. They would ride the glass elevator all the way to the top, but Stephen found his favorite part was the spinning door. Anyone wanting to get in had a short window of opportunity to hop inside before someone else came through and the door shut. He jumped in and looks at the pictures again. What if the photo inside the photograph is the same as a revolving door? What if Gloria is trapped inside waiting for someone to push the door so she has a small portal to get back here to me? I wonder where it leads to. Stephen never felt more alive. He feels like a child playing with his father again, and this thought makes him so hopeful. Antonio stares into Wilton's eyes and his body trembles. He asks Wilton what is going on and why he feels so strange. He turns and is calmed by Isabella's presence, even though it is quite the opposite for her. She is still spooked by what Abigail and Audrey told them about Ramah being ancient. The fact that they even know his real name haunts her. Mercy didn't know stealing Tyne's journal to help Annabelle would tangle them in a web of fearful mystery. Sean parks his van behind Wilton's car and asks the woman on the phone again how she got his number. Audrey tries to convince Sean that it doesn't matter, but it's vital that he needs her instructions completely and heeds her instructions completely. Abigail rolls her eyes and sighs because she knows Audrey doesn't have much tact or patience, but she always gets the job done because she is so persuasive, but apparently not with Sean. He hangs up the phone shakes his head at her audacity and gives Rebecca a funny look. Sean notices Wilton talking and decides to wait till Wilton comes out of the car before getting out of the van. Beck sits quietly but still inquisitive of the stranger with Wilton and Isabella. She exhales deeply and opens her door to stretch her legs. He hung up on me, Abby. These sisters know time holds everything captive in its tyranny, but ironically loopholes and little windows of opportunity create portals. Every second counts because Pierre's rage fuels everything he does even though he hides it behind a charming smile and peaceful demeanor. His revenge is bitter. Abigail pulls her car onto the shoulder of the road because Annabelle has a minor seizure. She quickly takes off her leather belt folds it in half and sticks it in Belle's mouth to prevent her from biting her tongue. Audrey gently turns Anna on her side and holds her head and neck steady. Annabelle's feet curve and curl like a ballet dancer. Audrey pushes the food delivery out of the way and these sisters urgently try their best to straighten out her body. Abigail breathes heavily because of the exertion all of it is taking and gestures for Audrey to call Wilton immediately. Wilton, Annabelle isn't doing well. Whoa, 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 hold on, what's going on? Her seizures are getting worse. We pull to the side of the road to help her, but we are five minutes away. Annabelle worsens and violently shakes. Audrey is never frightened, but she looks pale and helpless as a child. She drops the phone to help 
Abigail and Wilton accidentally bumps the speaker and Isabella cries and asks, what's happening, Wilton? Who is that? Antonio covers his mouth, appalled by what he hears. Annabelle's eyes twitch and roll back. She stops. Abigail checks her heartbeat. Nothing. Audrey turns Annabelle on her side again and sweeps her two fingers in Belle's mouth and slides them across her tongue to make sure nothing is obstructing her windpipe. Nothing. Abigail adjusts her chair and jumps on top of Annabelle to do CPR over and over, but still nothing. Audrey punches her chest and uncontrollably screams. To be continued.